Welcome to the ASEF podcast. The American Slovenian Education Foundation, ASEF, is an organization that enhances American and Slovenian education activities and also unites Slovenian scholars, students and entrepreneurs around the globe. My name is Sara Ermins and I am ASEF Fellow 2020. I will be the host of this ASEF podcast section. In this section, we will meet well-respected Slovenian leaders who will share insights on their core values, lessons learned throughout their career, and their vision regarding their particular field of expertise. Today we are thrilled to welcome one of the most successful Slovenian physicists, Mr. Mark Pliško. Mr. Pliško had completed his PhD in physics at the age of 25 at the University of Ljubljana. As a researcher at the Jozef Stefan Institute, the leading Slovenian research institution, he later founded a global company called CozyLab. The company has become one of the leading control system providers worldwide, providing control systems for nuclear accelerators, optical and radio telescopes, fusion reactors and cancer therapy systems. In addition, he has been a member of the management boards of multiple organizations, companies and faculties. He is also president of the Slovenian Academy of Engineering. Mr. Pliško, thank you very much for accepting our invitation. Absolutely a pleasure. You have completed PhD at the age of 25. How would you describe your decade between your 20s and 30s? How do you recall the beginnings of Cozy Lab? Actually, I established Cozilab when I was 40 years old. So, you know, it took me still quite a while from my PhD to, to, to the company. I would say, uh, you know, I went through probably normal phases that, that many people go. Uh, first, I wanted to do basic science. Uh, I was, you know, fascinated. I did particle physics. You know, I, was, I wanted to find new particles or new physics and stuff like that. And then after a while, I found out that, okay, science is good. Uh, but the work you do in science is actually not science itself. I mean, especially, I would say, at least for physics, you know, the first 5% is physics when you think about what you want to do. And the last 5% is physics when you analyze the results. But of course, in between is all hard work. And actually, the hard work is like any other work. You have to write programs, you have to do engineering, you have to, you know, use the screwdriver and put things together. And and then these groups becoming bigger and bigger, especially in part of physics, you know, the biggest experiments, there are thousands of people. And so I thought to myself, do I really want to be just one, you know, one little ant in the whole system? And maybe, you know, if I work hard 20 years, I may become, you know, a, a leader or something if I have luck. Uh, but isn't it better, you know, just to do the same work, do it in industry uh, and get paid better than I would get paid in science? And so I was slowly drifting away, you know, from th- thinking a career in science into a career in business. However, you know, as luck has it, uh, there was an opportunity for me to... Uh, to start working on a particle accelerator that was just about to be designed and built in Trieste, near Slovenia. And uh, I was thinking of maybe, you know, getting a job in industry abroad, 
my girlfriend at that time, my wife now, and we were we are together married for over 30 years. So apparently it worked out. We found a good compromise. I wanted to work abroad. She wanted to live in Slovenia. So what we did is we moved to Sejana, which is, you know, just a little, little uh, village or town at the border. So we lived in Slovenia, what she wanted, but I was commuting every day across the border to Trieste to work on this accelerator. So that was maybe one of the first compromises that we did and, and many others afterwards. And uh, as I said, we still live together. And we still love each other, actually. It is amazing to hear that. And congratulations. How did Cozy Lab develop during its growth? What do you consider were the most relevant milestones? Right. So first of all, I think this is very important for everybody. Normally, a person becomes an entrepreneur after 10 or 20 years in a certain business when uh, she or he finds out the rules of the business, the principles of the business, what the market wants, what the market doesn't want, and suddenly sees, hey, there is a niche, there is a need in the market that is not met, and maybe I could make the company and, and meet this need. Uh, but that means you have to work in this market for a long time, and the same happened for me. So, you know, after my PhD, I was working 15 years in science, not exactly in very fundamental science. I worked with accelerators. So I was designing and building accelerators. And uh, in the 90s, 95 and so, uh, I was working at the Josef Stefan Institute. And we made a collaboration between the Josef Stefan Institute and the Forschungszentrum Karlsruhe in Karlsruhe, apparently. Now it's called KIT, Karlsruhe Institute of Technology. They were building another accelerator. And because of my knowledge uh, from the accelerator in Trieste, they wanted to hire me as a deputy project leader. But again, I would have had to move to Germany. And at that time, even, you know, my, my, the, our kids were, were coming. So again, we had the same point. We said, hey, why don't we do it like this? Instead of me moving to Germany, let's make a collaboration between the Institute in Germany and the Institute Josef Stefan in Ljubljana. And we can do a lot of things here in Ljubljana. Uh, the German Institute would pay us the equivalent of our salaries. And, uh, and so, you know, we would have both things, an interesting project abroad again and work in Slovenia. When, when I made this deal with the Germans, I was very proud. I came to the Institute and said, look, guys, I have found a very good project. And then, of course, all the colleagues said, yeah, I don't have time. I'm very busy with something else. Oh, that's boring. I don't want to work on that. So suddenly I had a contract, uh, which was quite large at that time, 700,000 Deutschmark. Maybe now it sounds small, but at that time for me, it was a very big thing. And I promised to do something. I, I didn't have the people. Uh, so I said, okay, look, I have to find the people. And I thought, well, when I was a student, I, if somebody had given me such a project, you know, I would join it right away. So I was looking for students who might be interested in that. And actually, this is, this is uh, what worked. So uh, I found one, two, three, four students, you know, who said, oh, well, that's an interesting project. I want to work on that. And of course, then they brought their own friends, their own colleagues. And so we built a team of students and we actually did this software for this accelerator in Germany only students, so students plus myself. And then when we finished, or even before we finished, some of the students already graduated. They got a job elsewhere. Even I helped them to find a job. And then I said to myself, well, isn't this stupid? You know, I train these people, I teach them, and then I even help them to leave. These are great people, very clever people. They do a good job. Would it be nice if, uh, you know, they would stay with me? And, and I went to the lab director, Josef Stefan director, and said, look, you know, I have, a, I have a couple of great guys and, you know, we have some interesting things. He says, look, Mark, I can give you one PhD student, but that's about it. You know, I cannot give you more than that. I mean, you know, there are, uh, there are rules, there are limitations, there are budgets. And I said, hey, you know, but we could even earn money with that. And he said, well, if you think you can make money, then, you know, be free. There is a technology park across the street. The Josef Stefan is a founding member of the Ljubljana Technology Park. Go there and establish the company. So maybe he was just bluffing, you know, maybe he was just, or maybe he was calling my bluff. And I said, okay, let's do it. Let's try it. And, and so, and so we, we said, let's, let's start the company. 
So I talked to the students. I asked them, are you willing to work, you know, for no money for the first half year before we earn some money? Uh, with the students, for them, it was easy. You know, it's like, you know, Hotel Mama. So that was, uh, so they, they had food and, 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 and sleep for free uh, because they were students. Uh, they didn't pay any taxes. They were health insured automatically. So, you know, we could start with very little money, pay them out through student. How is it called this? You know, Studentsky Service in Slovenian this student uh, payments or student work. And at that time, it was even, you could pay more. Now it's quite limited because people obviously exaggerated and misused the system. But at that time, it was still possible. And so we started. And and I told everybody, look, you know, we have to work. I We, we, we will find some contracts. And when we get the first money, then with this first money, you know, we we buy ourselves laptops. We, we pay ourselves a little salary. And, and then we start working uh, seriously. And this is how, how, how it worked. And uh, we established a company in November uh, 2001. In December 2001, uh, we went to the United States to a conference uh, for accelerators, for software for accelerators. Of course, I know many people there. And so I went to all my friends and said, hey, you know, do you know what? We established a company. Do you have any work for us? And then some people were laughing. You know, some people some people said, oh, Mark, you know, it's, ne- it's never going to work. You're crazy. And all these things are done by the lab people themselves. You will never make money. Some people said, oh, yeah, we have a new project, uh, you know, and I have some budget free at the end of the year. I could give you like 50,000 euros. Somebody gave me 10,000, me, I mean, to the company. He said, I can give you 10,000 Swiss francs to make a little prototype. Uh, American guy said, well, you know, there is a software that is open source, but we would like to fix this software. I have a budget of twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars $25,000. You know, what could you do for this money? And then a British guy said, well, we have a new project. Uh, I have 40,000 pounds free. So he said, actually, I pay you this to, in, to improve the other features that you can't do with the 20,000. And so we started a little bit. So, you know, piece by piece, and actually the first year was already profitable because uh, we, we didn't have any, we didn't spend much. So that's that's how it started. Cozy Lab is currently investing in proton therapy, which could provide enhanced treatment for cancer patients. How do you envision could proton therapy be introduced in Slovenia? Is there potential to develop an advanced cancer research and treatment center in Slovenia? Slovenia has very good, is very good on cancer, actually. We have the Oncology Institute of Ljubljana. Many people mix it up. They think it's part of the clinical center because it's located at the same place. But it's actually it's a completely independent uh, institution. It's called Oncology Institute of Ljubljana. And they have worked on, on cancer treatment since a long time. Uh, they have now, I think, eight or nine or even ten, uh, what is called LINAC. These are very complex machines that irradiate the patients with gamma rays to kill the cancer. Uh, they, of course, do the classical things like surgery and, and, and chemotherapy. So, yes, there is, they have a lot of knowledge to treat cancer. Actually, that was a nice coincidence. They have been thinking about proton therapy for quite some while. Uh, we, on the other hand, we came into proton therapy through our work on accelerators. And we thought, hey, you know, if we can do proton therapy, uh, if we can do software for proton therapy, I have to be precise here, you know, for other companies, why don't we help? Slovenia to get such a proton therapy machine from these companies. So basically, we, we, you know, we could talk to our customers and convince them, hey, would you be willing, you know, to, of, of course, sell such a system uh, in Slovenia? And then at some point, you know, we met the people from the College Institute and we learned, hey, you know, we actually have a critical mass of knowledge in Slovenia. The College Institute knows how to treat patients. 
the Jose Stefan Institute and the University of Ljubljana and also the Oncology Institute and a few other institutions together have a program group that is called medical physics. And this medical physics does a lot of calculations of radiation in the human body. So they calculate, actually, they make, they have theories and models how this radiation will actually kill cancer cells. And of course, Cozilab is a company that is industrially working on proton therapy. So we said, hey, you know, let's pull the forces together. Let's join the forces and uh, let's start advertising proton therapy in Slovenia. Of course, at the end of the day, you still need money. It's not that we would build a proton therapy machine. We have the knowledge to understand how it has to be built, from whom to buy, and then to operate it. I mean, we all together. And right now, actually, we, we are in this phase. We made a, we made a proposal to, to our government, and now we're seeing what the government uh, will say. It's still, you know, such a system is expensive. We're talking about 50, maybe even 70 million uh, euros, which includes, of course, the building. Usually the building is the most, almost one of the most expensive items because the building has to be large enough so that the, that the proton therapy machine can be hosted there. Then the walls have to be thick because of radiation protection and many other rules. But anyway, here we are. So, you know, keep your fingers crossed. Maybe we'll start working on it next year. Approximately two years ago, the pandemic took over the world. How has the pandemic affected CozyLab? What are the positive and negative sides of such crisis, in your opinion? I've heard that you are happy that you don't have to travel so much anymore. First of all, let's be a little bit philosophical. The pandemic is only in our heads. If we, I mean, the pandemic is, of course, real. The COVID is real and it affects people. But it depends on us how we cope with it. And if we have fear uh, you know, if we panic, then of course it will, it will affect us strongly. If we take this just as a fact of life, hey, you know, you have to deal with facts of life. I mean, you know, it starts raining. Did we, you know, did they make a big fuss out of rain? No, we, we, I mean, people, we invented umbrellas, we invented uh, uh, rubber boots, and so we can walk in the rain. And the same thing is here. Uh, we have to adapt, obviously, to the to the pandemic, but we should not be strongly affected. So this is what happened. Okay, Kozilab was lucky. You know, we, we are not a restaurant. Obviously, restaurants are affected or hairdressers are affected. Uh, we develop software. You can develop software at home or in the office in front of a computer. So basically, Kozilab was almost not affected by COVID. We didn't profit from COVID, but we didn't also lose with COVID. And one thing, yes, you mentioned that, and I think this is important. COVID, everybody says it, accelerated digitalization and uh, and video conferences and virtual presence you know in two years we did things we wouldn't have done probably in 10 years and i remember there were you know people like in america said hey mark you have to come over we have to talk and now i just send them an email hey you know i send you zoom link can we talk tomorrow yeah sure let's talk of course it's not exactly the same you know physical presence still is important we human beings we have a you know lizard brain if you want it's a met it's a result of evolution or god depends you know whatever you prefer but, you know, we need human presence. We have to judge. It's much easier to judge the honest or not honest intentions of other people. If you see them, if you have dinner with them, if you talk about this and that, chit-chat, which over Zoom is, of course, much more difficult. But keeping relations with the people you already know and trust, the people you already work with, this uh, Zoom, Teams, whatever, is, is perfect. And, of course, I was traveling a lot before. I, was, I had 110 flights in 2019. And I really don't want to, you know, increase my carbon footprint. But, you know, I just had to do things in order to reduce the carbon footprint later. But in, in the last two years, I was actually probably carbon not neutral, but even positive. And speaking about the adjustment, where do you see Cozy Lab in 10 years? 
Is there any potential for acquisition or are you more inclined to merger with another company? Were there actually any proposals in the past or maybe there are any currently going on negotiations that you can publicly talk about? You mean like that somebody would acquire Kozilep or that Kozilep would acquire others? Both. I would like to know what would you prefer? As I see Kozilep in 10 years, of course, you know, never say never. So maybe, you know, if somebody comes with a, with an undecent proposal and they say, look, I give you so much money because I want to buy Kozilep because I like it so much. Maybe in that case, I would say, okay, look, good, then, then just do it. But the dear, I think of Kozilep is that, you know, we've worked so hard in the last 20 years. We've grown so far. Now we have 300 people. Now we are actually just starting to scrape, you know, the, 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 the ceiling. So we are now talking with, you know, institutions like Harvard Medical School. Uh, I mean, apart from Ljubljana Medical School, we talk also to Harvard Medical School. We, we talk to Mayo Clinic. We talk to uh, ETH uh, Zurich, uh, uh, you know, so to and many other uh, important uh, hospitals and institutes. And so now we think it's the right time to develop the next generation of radiotherapy, of particle therapy, the better software for that. And it's going to take us 10 years if you want to really reach, uh, you know, the goals and, and, the, and the visions that, that we have set to ourselves. Of course, for very big dreams, you need a lot of money. You need very good partners. So it may well happen that we, you know, maybe we would join forces with somebody. So when you ask merger, hey, that could be a possibility. For example, you know, we could find, for, let's say that we want to improve healthcare in, you know, let's say developing countries or not so developed countries like maybe India, you know, huge countries have a lot of money, but also a lot of, of a lot of poor people, a lot of hospitals with, with missing experts. So if you want to go to India or I don't know, to Arabic countries or, or Brazil, of course, we need a local partner. We cannot do it alone. So in that case, it may be meaningful to either make a joint venture in let's say India, together with a local partner, or even that to see that, hey, it makes more sense that we merge with somebody. For example, they would, you know, they would have hospitals, we have the software, so let's merge together and do something. But of course, you know, there are many possibilities at this point in time. I think we still, we still should grow Kozilep also for one, one other reason, that uh, it's easy to build a company and then sell it to somebody and, you know, enjoy life maybe or, or you know, retire somewhere. Uh, but isn't it a bigger challenge? And I'm all in for challenges to build a top world-class comp- number one company in Slovenia. Grow it in Slovenia to a number of thousand people, or even more people. I mean, how many really big successful companies do we have in Slovenia? You know, we have Kurka, okay, Lek we have, but it was sold. Still, it's, it's, I think I consider Lek our Novartis, our, our company, because so much research is being done there. But let's try to do the same with Kozilek. I see. I'm more than happy to hear that you are willing to keep Cozy Lab in Slovenia. As a business angel, you also invest in other projects not related to Cozy Lab. What kind of ideas do you personally support as an investor? Are there particular core values or traits that you seek from entrepreneurs? First of all, I'm not really an investor. I'm what is called a business angel. And this is basically a person that you know throws money through the window or helps young people to do something. But so far, I, I, you know, all the money I have invested, no return yet. There are a few investments which I did, which hopefully will return some money. But the purpose is not to invest money to get richer. I, I consider myself rich enough. I have a beautiful wife. You know, I mean, we are old, but she's still beautiful. I love her. I have two well-educated kids, probably about your age or something like this. You know, they are very good students. So they, they, they're out of the house, but they're doing their things. They still love me. We still play together when they visit me. Uh, I have a nice house on the cars. 
not a big one, but a nice old house with with nice garden around. I have a dog, a cat, and a few chicken. You know, so I'm infinite rich because I have more money that I I get more money in that I spend it. Okay, so I think this is important. And so the what I really do is I try to help people that are at the stage where I was 20 years ago. People who you know are ambitious, who have ideas, who want to do something, and I want to help them not really with money, but I want to help them also with advice, with direction. Of course, you know, it's like playing poker. You can play poker with beans or you can play poker with real money. And the thrill is, of course, if you put your real money in there, not with beans. With beans, you can play, you can bluff, and if you lose, you don't care. With real money, you're forced a little bit to take it more seriously. So this is what, this is, this is what I do. And now this, in a way, already answers your question. So where do I invest? I invest where I can contribute to the story. I don't invest and then forget about it. I actually, usually when I invest, I also ask the people if I can be on the board. I don't have to be on the board as a full board member. M many times I'm what you can call honorary board member or let's say, well, not honorary sounds great, but the reality is that they have a board. I'm not part of the board, but I am always invited to participate with the board. And of course, when I'm there, you know, I want to make my comments. I give advice. I listen. I learn. Uh, I teach. So, so this is you know, so really being there together in this in these projects in these endeavors. This is what what, uh, what what I like, and it's great because you know actually there were a couple of things that I learned through investing, which then I could use in in my own company. I can only agree with everything that you have said, and I think that such mentality is worth all the respect out there. However, as we are slowly approaching our time limit for this episode, let me ask you about your best advice for young professionals who have just entered their career. I could give you a lot of advices. And, you know, I'm an old guy and old people like to give a lot of, you know, clever advice. And by the way, just to, to point this out, when my father gave me advice, you know, I didn't believe him. You know, I thought I'm, I know what has to be done now. I, I realized he was right and I give advice and I know that young people will ignore my advice as much as in the same way as I ignored my father's advice. But anyway, one piece of advice I think that is very, very important is you are young, you are ambitious, you want to change the world, or at least you want to make your mark in the universe. Do it. Follow your dreams. But don't forget what the real purpose of life is. I think this is important. It's not a career and it's not money. You have to find the right balance between work family, friends, and your own life. And then you will find happiness. That's such a wonderful conclusion of this episode. Mr. Pliszko, thank you very much for joining us today. We wish you lots of professional and personal success in the future. Oh, and I wish you much more. Also, many thanks to you, dear listeners. You are kindly invited to listen to the following episode, where we will discuss cancer research with three prominent researchers from the ASEF community.